0: Hello and welcome to episode 28 of Match It and the Other Guy. And Kevin and I are sitting outside my home on the banks of Lake Wiley in Charlotte, North Carolina on a wonderfully sunny spring-like day, Kevin. I believe this is our best day yet for sitting out here. Of the year, for sure. I, most that, this year, no doubt. Yes, a couple of times when we've recorded earlier episodes leading up into this one, it's been sunny but pretty cold, but today it's beautiful. Very temperate, the lake is gorgeous, slight breeze. And we know we must be getting into springtime because there are a couple of geese building a nest down on the point there. And um, I don't want to go anywhere near them. I mean, geese are pretty grumpy chaps at the best of times, but I think when there's kids involved, you don't want to go anywhere near them. So We'll leave them alone down there, but I'm kind of fascinated to see the process unfold. Oh, I think you're going
1: to have a whole uh, nature, nature show right in your uh, front window here for quite some time. Yeah, mum-to-be
0: is buried in the rocks right at the edge of the point. It's almost difficult to see her, actually, and dad is just on patrol, sometimes walking around the grass and sometimes swimming left and right in front of where mum's made the nest. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll report on their progress should progress progress in future episodes. Yes, Num- numbers and such as we go. Yeah, yeah, it'd be kind of fun. Yeah. Well, uh, yes, episode 28, we said, right? So um, what are we talking about today? Well, uh, we take a quote from
1: George Bernard Shaw, yes, who said that England and America are two countries separated by a common language. Yes. Well, so, that's right. Well, we discover that every time we so do a podcast. I, th- I think after all these episodes, our, our listeners may have found out the secret is that you're, you're, you're British. So <laughs> we've probably let that cat out of the bag. I'd like to hear some thoughts on when you came over and, and terms that were you know, new and different to you and, and how, how there's, there's the same things are said in England and such like that.
0: Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, most definitely there are differences. Uh, we know that tomato, tomatoes, potatoes, you know, let's call the whole thing off. Mm. But my experience of, of language, I am, I am extremely laid back and unfussed and unfazed by the difference of anybody using different words and pronunciations, pronunciations of different words and dialects and accents. Because having lived in France for 15 years on and off and my French being you know, passable at best. I I learned in those 15 years a very valuable lesson that language is just a matter of communication between folks. Don't get all bent out of shape by using the wrong verbs and the wrong sentence structure and, you know, whatever it is, you're just trying to get your point over, right, that, I mean, some people really do get upset by, you should never say this, why are you saying that? just relax, as long as, you, as long as you can communicate with one another, I'm good with it, yes. The first one that springs to mind is the difference between chips and crisps, that's a, that's a classic. Yep. Chips, we're doing this in the States, so most of our American audience of course will be aware of what chips are, but of course chips in England, or Britain I suppose in a wider sense, obviously is French fried potatoes, and crisps are chips. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So you know, I I have got to the point now, um, spending so long over here that I started to s- get that blend of words going. I was talking to a f- good friend in England the other day, and I and I said chips instead of crisps. And there's a, a little moment when we're trying to think, how hey, what's what's Steve talking about now? But yep.
1: yeah. Well, you said one. We were just having a conversation, just no, not, not during recording, but you used the term shopping cart, and I said, oh, I'm surprised you didn't say trolley. Sh- shopping trolley, yeah.
0: So yes. you're, you're becoming Americanized as we go. <laughs> yes. Well, there's lots, I mean, there's, there's lots of them. There's endless, there's, there's endless ones. I mean, tomato and tomato is the big one, isn't it, really? Uh, aluminum and al- al- aluminium? Aluminium, yeah. yes. But the difference, the, the, I mean, the difference between aluminium and aluminum um, is in the spelling itself, of mm. course. It's not just the odd pronunciation, pronunciation of it. It's actually spelt differently. Um, I have no explanation for that, I, the, I mean I've researched this a little bit just out of curiosity in my love of language and, and writing, and I, I get the impression that, of course language is always, is always evolving, it, it just is an evolving organic thing, it never stays stationary for very long, and English is a language, back over in the old country, in England of course, is just a mishmash, really, of every other power that has invaded and conquered England over the centuries. Yeah. You know, there's a little bit of Germanic language in there, the German language in there, from the Goths, and there's a, a little bit of Viking language in there, and of course, it's French in there, from when f- France got overexcited and spent way too long over in England, and, you know, for about a 1,000 years, I think primary language in England was French as a result, so that's diffused into the language. Um, so there's all that there's all that going on, and then of course, if you just take the English language in isolation, and look how that language has changed in its structure and its sounds, its dialect and accent in Canada, into the United States, over in Australia, mate. You know, yep. it is, it's just it is an organic, flowing thing. So again, I'm so laid back with it. Like, don't get bent out of shape by it. It's just the language evolving. But I mean, I think English. Is possibly the classic example of that. I may be wrong, I'm certainly no linguistics expert, but English always strikes me as an absolute, it's a, it's a bit of a reflection on the United States, actually. If we think of the United States as being a melting pot of all different cultures in the world, I think English, the spoken English language is, is the same as that. It's, it's a mishmash <laughs> of everybody else's tongue. Well, uh, a prime example of something like that, and
1: you know, we have so many different dialects and such in, in our country and yeah. our regions and such like that. But a prime example of us, you know, not not defining or being able to define how we say something sometimes, and getting getting into a good discussion with somebody sometimes heated about is uh, how you do uh, carbonated beverages. Uh, the geese have definitely decided to say hello today. Those are not our, our mom and pop; these are the we assume the cousins.
0: <laughs> that but, are, uh, no, our mating so. couple down there hardly say a word. I yeah, guess exactly. that's all part of it, that they want to remain hidden. But, yeah, but we, the bachelors are having a party. Yes, they're, they're
1: enjoying the spring day as well.
0: Yes. But Sorry, what were we saying? Back, back to where I yes. was.
1: Um, if, you, if you're in different parts of the country and yeah. you want a, a sugary carbonated beverage, it depends on what you ask for. You can order a soda. Yeah. You can ask for a pop. Or you can ask for a Coke. Yeah. I grew up in the southeast where... Pretty much Coke was everything. You may, you know, some, if you were at somebody's house and they say, hey, you want a Coke? And you don't know what you're going to get handed. You, oh, could, you okay. could be handed a Coke. You could be handed a Dr. Pepper. You yes. could be handed a Sprite. You could be handed a RC Cola.
0: Yeah, so whatever. Like, yeah, the, the brand becomes the noun effectively, right? Yes. yeah, so over in England, I would always say, um, instead of vacuuming, we would Hoover. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we would hoover. You've probably heard me say that here. Which is the, the brand name, correct? Which is the brand yeah. name. It's a very yeah. popular brand name, yes, but we would always hoover up, not vacuum up, I wouldn't say that.
1: Yeah, of course we're 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 vacuumers here. But there's also definitely the ones that are that you know, you don't put on a bandage, you put on a band aid. Yes. And of course that's a brand. Don't don't grab me a box of tissues, hey grab me a box of Kleenex.
0: Yes. We do a lot of we do a lot of that. Yes. Now I don't think in England we would say Hand me a Kleenex. Well, I think we'd say tissue. Yeah, it is. It, it, it's it's it is fascinating to me. I'm always fascinated by language and the way different people use it.
1: But it was amazing to see anyone, like in in school or something like that, or maybe a new kid in school or something like that, and they'd use the word pop for their soda, and we we're like, oh, I've never.
0: Yes. I'm now not, I would. Always, used to yeah, that. <laughs> I grew up. I I grew up with uh, with pop. Of course, that's a very English expression to me. Pop and soda um again things may change we have just talked about the language being organic and things may change and perhaps that's more frequently used now in England. but none of my school friends when we were growing up would say soda would be completely we wouldn't know what we are talking about really cream soda maybe was a was a rather ghastly drink we occasionally <laughs> used to have what was the generic term for like a, a coker pepsi it, or was like a that? it was just a pop just a pop yeah we'd, yeah we'd have a bottle of pop uh very rarely did we have cans um, but if it was a Coke, it was absolutely a Coca-Cola. It would, it would be a Coca-Cola. Yeah, I could see that if you lived in a
1: region where they usually use yeah. pop or something like that and say, you want a Coke? Then you're going to get a Coke.
0: Yes. And um, the wonderful the wonderful thing to me about spoken English over in England, or again, in the wider sense, all of the United Kingdom, is there are so many regional variations of dialect and accent within what is in fact a relatively small landmass i mean you could take all of the united kingdom and drop it into california yeah uh, but yet in 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 england and again my ears probably gone off it a little bit because i'm no longer living there but typically you could place somebody where they were born or where they've been living most of their life you could place them within 50 miles just by hearing their accent because it would change so much the london accent the cockney accent would be so different to the brummy Birmingham accent, to the Oxford accent, to the BBC accent, and you know, all over the Midlands accents, and going to the further north, and of course the wonderful Liverpudlian accent, which most folks are familiar with from the Beatles. Then moving further north until you get into Scotland, and of course that wonderful Scottish brogue. Over to Ireland, you could tell that instantly. I like, I, I I'm, a, I love all of that. I love language for that reason, and I'm certainly. As we've talked about, I'm, I'm very new, rea- realistically, to the United States. And I try to listen to accents and dialect in the States, and I'm, f- I'm very, very far from perfect. But I can now tell the difference between, let's say, New York to Boston to the Carolinas to California, I can hear those accents, and I'm guessing, and you're our expert sitting here at the table with it I'm, I'm guessing there are 10,000 other accents in the middle of all of those. Oh, I'm sure, and
1: again, I always lived in the southeast. So I've never really lived in another region to be around one. Um, but now Florida was a very much a you know, a, a melting pot within a melting pot. So many people moved to Florida from so many different areas yes. that you tend to get a lot of dialects combining down there, and, and people, and then they retire and they live down there many years and they, they change. Their 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 structures changes of their their dialect too. So, so yeah, those. Gosh, I was pretty much eight years there. Yeah. And actually, I definitely remember people wanting to hear me talk when I first moved down there because I was from Tennessee. I remember people back in Tennessee saying in my latter years they said that my 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 accent had changed from being down there.
0: Yes, and and it's funny you should say that because I often get those comments when I go back to the Midlands. In England, which is where I was born and raised, I don't think I've got a particularly strong regional accent. I'm I'm, I'm sure a lot of folks will instantly be able to recognise match match its English. I can hear it in him, I get that, but I, I suspect it's rather difficult to place whereabouts I was born. I've never really been that in one place that long in my adult life. Um, I left Nottingham, Leicestershire, Loughborough to move down to Whitney in Oxford for work with Benetton. And so I I never really... And and again, as we've chatted about before, I spent so much of my time alone that I I feel that I just never really... I never absorbed fully the local accents and dialects. There was a little town called Coalville, close to Loughborough, which is famous for one thing. Coal, there's a lot of mining industry around there. And I could tell that somebody was from Colville, which is literally 10 miles away from I, where I grew up. And yet, if they were born and raised in Leicester, which is 15 miles away, that would be different. And Nottingham had a different accent. Um, but I don't think I ever really absorbed it fully. And then of course, I, I spent time over in, in France and um, <laughs> you know, English simply wasn't spoken where I was in that corner of, of, of France. Uh, but curiously, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this before, um, I lived in the Charente, the Charente Maritime, right near Cognac, right near Bordeaux, I know I've mentioned that before. Um, and so that is where I learned to speak French with my neighbours. And of course they have many regional accents and patois, just as much as we have different accents, of course we do, in the, in the French language. And I do remember one one one. A remarkable day talking to Madame Fauconet in her kitchen. She had an old school friend in her kitchen when I went round for coffee one day. This chap started to talk to me and I've, I've got to say Kevin, I, as, as much as I tried, I could hardly understand the word that this guy was saying to me and I was, you know, I was trying my best and yeah. we, we were communicating but it was really difficult for me to to get the grasp of what this chap was saying roll forward about an hour and a half and this chap leaves and Madame Fokiné says to me you didn't really understand an awful lot of what, I can't remember what the chap's now let's call him Marcel, you didn't really understand an awful lot of what Marcel was saying did you and she was smiling as she was saying and I, I said no it was really difficult for me and <laughs> she said this is what made me feel better she said no I didn't really understand an awful lot he was saying either because he's got a, such a strong regional patois accent it's difficult for me to understand you it. Know. so what chance do I stand you know and that is most certainly the case. To me, that wonderful Scottish brogue, but the difference between the lowlands of Scotland and the highlands of Scotland, they are sometimes so very difficult yeah. for me to understand. you know. And I've noticed uh, watching some TV programs in in, uh, in the States that when there is a strong Irish accent being spoken, English, but a strong Irish accent or a strong uh, Scottish accent, that the the, uh, the the TV networks finding necessary to put subtitles up there to help us all along. It's, yeah, I'll it can be that difficult. That they, yeah, yeah, and I understand it. It really can be, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny that uh, you know the first example you even said out of the
1: out of the the gate was you know talking about the difference between uh, chips here and crisps there. Yeah. And I I, I I was thinking about this topic, and I said I'm definitely going to go back to this, and we we, re- we visited this before. and We're going to visit it, I'm sure, new, numerous times. But the young ones were really my heavy introduction into British slang and terms and such yes, like right. that. Yeah. And I still remember, I can't remember exactly which episode, but they're in the bar and uh, Vivian orders a bag of roast ox crisps. And that was my very first thing of, oh, they're, okay. They're ordering a bag of chips. Now I, yeah. I grew up, you know, eating fish and fish and chips. Now yeah. in America, people are going to laugh because it was long John Silver's or Captain D's, which you probably like, Ooh, but you know, we would go for that. So I was used to that. But, and then I, I, we talked about uh, me watching Benny Hill when I was young. Yes. But so much of that is just skit comedy. Was really no, yeah. you know, he had some, some skits with, with, with dialogue, but a lot of them were just slapstick. Absolutely. So it was really the young ones that I got to, to notice these new terms. And for many years, I still didn't know what they were talking about. I knew the gist of it, I knew it was hilarious, I knew I loved it. But, you know, I can re watch them now and understand much more of what they're,
0: they're talking about in the conversation. Yes. Uh, and I guess a lot of the reason for that, and I may be wrong, is because the way that technology has improved communication across the Atlantic and around the world, we are more exposed on both sides of the Atlantic to our different cultures. Of course, as kids growing up, we were always surrounded by American cop shows. Kojak is the one that springs to mind, and Colombo, for example. Starsky and Hutch, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we'd be surrounded. So we'd be hearing the American accents all the time. As a kid growing up in England, I could never place an accent in the States. I couldn't say, you know, that that, that chap is from New York, definitely, and this chap is from Los Angeles. I couldn't do that. Um, But I I guess with a lot more British TV shows coming over, uh, and with streaming services being able to watch a lot more of those shows, it's probably. I'd like to think becoming easier for folks in the States to understand the different accents and exactly. dialects. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, and again, just the terms. It's like, you know, it's, you'd watch a, a show or something like that. Now I know holiday means vacation. Yes. You're not going to go to college. You're going to go to university. Yeah, absolutely. You're not going to take the elevator. You're going to take the <laughs> lift. Uh, right. The baby doesn't get pushed around in a stroller. She gets pushed around in a
0: pram. Yeah, a pram or a pushchair. I have a feeling that I think stroller might be more on the increase in England. I can't explain the reason for that. I'm guessing maybe, I don't know, the language is changing and evolving what we said. But you're absolutely right. Yes, lift an elevator is one. That, well, um, and one that will really throw you off <laughs> is when you're talking about the, the, the elements on a car. Because
1: if you if tell uh, an English mechanic to go lift the hood, yeah. what's he going to mess with?
0: Yeah. He's yeah. going
1: to mess with the convertible top. Yeah. yeah. And, of course, in England, then what is what we know is the hood is the bonnet. Yeah. And then we don't have a, you don't have a trunk in England. You
0: have a. You have a boot. Yeah. So.
1: You, l- you learn things, especially if you have an English, old English roadster, like an MG or a Triumph or yes. healing or something.
0: Yes. Now, does do, do you chaps over in the States use the word prawns for shrimp at all? You're aware Not, of it, but never use
1: it. It's, I think maybe if it's like a certain size one. Like it's, if it's the large ones and yeah. you're at a seafood place or seafood restaurant, you may see it on the menu or, so or choices be,
0: as a prawn. So it'd be a prawn cocktail. That's, but they'd be big. They'd be big prawn. Big I don't shrimp, even want to say that for sure. Because,
1: <laughs> I mean, I'm talking, you're talking about probably hearing shrimp 99.99% of the time and maybe prawn the other time. Yes, yeah. Maybe coming more into it. And slightly, because there's that Muppet character, Pepe the Prawn,
0: <laughs> that might have helped a little bit. I think it might have missed him, but okay. Yeah, he's yeah. one of my favorite characters okay. from the X 20X <laughs> years. Gosh, he's been out so now or something like that. that. Yes, well, certainly in England, um, mm-hmm. prawns, in my time anyway, again, the language is changing all the world. Prawns were very small shrimp. Oh, I think they're the larger ones here. I could. I could yes, well, that just right. gives an example of, of uh, um, how things are... Uh, can be confusing in another episode a previous episode of Matchett and the other guy were we not discussing the kershaw man that used to go around the pubs so, uh, on a friday or saturday with a, w- a basket and he would sell you a bag of prawns which were tiny shrimp but you wouldn't ask him for shrimp because i don't think he'd know what they would be but I do remember on one of my first trips over working with Speed vision, I did ask the waiter when we went out to dinner one night for a prawn, do you have a prawn cocktail?" and there was a sort of long period of what is this chap talking about and yeah, somebody help me with shrimp, yeah, oh, shrimp. Okay. yes I yes. know what it is yes well, that's the language I think I think it's a I think it's a great thing I, I and mean, again, I keep falling back on. It was my experiences in a completely foreign foreign land and foreign language to me in France that just changed my opinion entirely, that don't get caught up on this, it's nonsense, it's just communication. But I do remember um, quite often I used to spend one night in Paris before flying over to New York to cover the race, whatever Grand Prix it would be, for Speed Vision, because there was no way that I could leave home down in the Charon, near Cognac, catch the train, get to Paris in the south, take the metro from the south of um, Paris, Montparnasse Station, up to the north of Charles de Gaulle Airport to catch the plane in one day. I could, physically couldn't, there was no way I could do it. The train service didn't allow that to happen. and The planes used to leave at, let's say it was 1.30 in the afternoon. It was simply impossible to do it. So the only way that I could do the commute was to go up to Paris the night before and spend the night in Paris. Dreadful hardship, spend the yes, night in Paris, it was. I was okay with it, believe me, and um, I used to stay in a wonderful little place, a uh, little hotel in saint germain de president which is a wonderful little quarter of, of Paris, and where all the great writers and artists and poets used to hang around in the twenties, so it's kind of fun to still see the buildings and the roads, are just the same, nothing's really changed. But I do remember ordering dinner, maybe just something simple in a in a cafe in a in a bar in in Paris, and I remember the waiter saying, "Do you live in the Charente Maritime?" I think he said to me and i said I, I do yes, it's yes, I could hear it in your accent wow. so i don't know if that's good or good or bad, but uh obviously, I just picked that up my My accent developed completely without my knowledge of it through talking to Monsieur and Madame Folk in their kitchen. Yeah. And uh, so they must they must also have a very detectable regional accent, I guess. You know? Yeah, well, one of the things you, know, you said very early on in this conversation was, you know,
1: you don't get all wound up about, you know, the dialect, worrying about it yeah. and all that. And I think that comes to the core thing of the, you know our humanity and, and talking with other people is if we can keep it simple and not be... Uh, too wound up about it, things are going to communicate a lot better and a lot easier. Because I'm sure when you were, when you were trying to your best to do your French with the Folkenays, yeah. they were never you know critical or insulted by if you did it incorrectly. They were more than happy to just absolutely. let it flow, and you just you had your conversations as
0: best you could. You absolutely hit the nail on the, on the head there. That is a vital element in my experience of tr- of travel abroad. If you're in a foreign land. Try to adapt, try to adapt, even if it's just hello and goodbye and thank you, try and make the effort. And I always think, um, take England for example, Great Britain, if you go over to to France, a lot of English expect English to be spoken. And in Paris, there's a good chance that that's going to happen. Waiters are most likely employed because of their language skills. And you'll still get a lot of folks that will speak English and not, not even attempt to speak a few words of French. OK, I get that. But you could, you could say merci, thank you, and uh, très bien, or whatever it would be. You, could, you, could, you, can, you can try and, and get a response from them, and the French will react very positively. But can you imagine for one second if a couple on holiday, a French couple, for example, arrived in London and went to a pub and just talked French to the barman? Yeah. We could get no you know, wouldn't get anywhere. You know, there's this there's this sort of why do why do English speaking folk expect everybody else to understand us but conversely when you turn it around the other way and it could be a couple from germany or a couple from italy or from spain or from portugal japan or wherever it would be to arrive into an english pub and speak their native tongue and be surprised that they get no response yeah. you know? so i always think of it look at try and turn the table the other way and see how that works for you but i agree with you a hundred percent and in, and again my personal experience so that's really all i can talk about the French were delighted when foreigners to France try and speak a few words of French. It really means a great deal to them. The French are incredibly passionate, quite rightly so, uh, and proud of their language. And uh, they, they delight in the fact that um, other folks may want to learn it. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. I
1: haven't I haven't made my way to France yet, or, or England for that matter, but I well, I think we've touched on it before. I, we did go to Austria.
0: Yeah. And
1: I think one of the best, best moments I had there was one morning there was, four of us together in the the place we were visiting and such, but I went down to the local market. I think I was buying croissants for breakfast, but I went through the whole process of going to market, asking for what I wanted and did all that. And I tried my best, you know, in German to do it. And everything went. Swimmingly. Well done.
0: Yeah, well done you. I yeah. think I think it's a vital thing. You should you should I think it's a great thing to be able to do. I, I don't know, it, it, it annoys me. I have to say it's one of the things that annoys me when folks when I hear folks I understand they may not speak a foreign language. I absolutely get that. But this idea there's almost like a slight annoying arrogance in some folks that why are you not speaking English to me? Yes. No, we're, the, we're in a foreign land. Yes. <laughs> this is not England. It's not the United States or Australia or any other English-speaking nation. You're in a country that does not have English as its primary language. You have to make an adjustment. Yeah, and I
1: was very grateful for the ones that did, so they made our trip much easier and things that we didn't, couldn't yeah. get across, and they worked
0: with us, and, and everything went well. Yes, I mean I do remember a lot of the times uh, I spent time in in Paris, as I've just described it. The night before a flight, waiters would waiters would delight in speaking English. They, I mean, I could speak French, but they could tell instantly that I was not French. I get that, and I'm not embarrassed by that at all. But and and if the if the waiter, for example, wanted to speak English, I would converse in English because I always felt it was good practice for him or her to use their language skills because that's their profession. You know, sure. we're employed to speak English and I absolutely get that. But the saving grace for me in having to learn French, we may have chatted about before, is right in the middle of the French countryside, there isn't any English being spoken. So you can't fall back on it because yeah. it, it will get you nowhere. In fact, Madame, Madame Fauconet uh, never knowingly spoke a word of English uh, but she used to use the word weekend for the weekend. But she never realized until I pointed it out to her one day that I said, do you know wh- where the origin of weekend comes from? Well, oh, it's just, a, you know, just funded some men. Huh? No, no, it's not just the end of the week. It's it's an English expression for the end of the week, the end of the weekend. And until that point, she said, good gracious, I never realized I was oh. it was an English expression. I was using. I thought it very was French. Good, very good. Yes. Yeah, so um It's kind of fun, but language is is a fun thing. I always, I wish I spoke a hundred languages. I don't, but I wish I did. I'm rather getting too old and setting my ways to do it now. And another language that I absolutely adore to hear, but unfortunately I don't speak any, um, is, is Japanese. I think to hear Japanese spoken softly uh, is a beautiful language. It's almost oh, like absolutely. poetry to the ear. I really, I really like to hear it spoken, um, and I can tell the difference between Japanese being spoken and Chinese being spoken. Um, but I can't speak a word of either language. You know, but I can I can pick upon the sound difference between the two. So, yeah. Do you have a favorite favorite language, or you know, is, is there a, if you could if you don't speak a language, you think, well, oh, I'd really love to speak this language. What would it be for you?
1: Ah, uh, that that's a good question. I don't really you know, have not seen enough. You know, cultural things like films and and, and plays and stuff like that
0: that may be spoken purely in a yes. foreign language. Yeah. Well, you, said you were speaking—you were speaking German, even if just a few words of German. Yeah, we Austria. we tried
1: to do—you know—learn, yeah. kind of <clears throat> brief ourselves on some terms that we would use, you know, in a shop or you know, conversing with a, uh,
0: a retailer or something while we were there, and, and did that. And I've heard um, that German. <coughs> excuse me, I, I don't speak German. A few little words I can recognize, but um, I've heard German is a very difficult language. Oh, I to, didn't get very, very far, It was, and we were going to be there, you know, like I say. It's I, just I, we, time. What
1: we could get, you know, and, and of course it would be great to spend more time and, and learn it further, but, yes. you know, I think Italian would be a great <clears throat> one. You know, it, it ties in with, you know, stuff I enjoy hobby-wise and
0: stuff. Yeah, so. and I think if if one speaks Italian, you're going to have a good grasp of speech. Spanish, or at least attempt to understand it because of the connection between the Latin language and Romance languages, and also f- French is the same. I think if you speak French, you'll be able to pick up on... You could figure out a lot of what's happening in, in Italian language and Spanish language. The German language, it, it seems so hard on the ear to me. I wish I'd spoke... Again, I wish I spoke 100 languages. So I think it's a wonderful thing. But also, when I see written German, all the words are about 36 characters long, and most of them seem to consist of either P or, or Z or, or Z. You know, <laughs> I, have no clue what's, I have no clue what's going on here. So, to me, it seems very, very complicated. Yeah. What other languages uh, appeal to, to you, do you think?
1: Uh, like I said, it would, it would be interesting to, to be around Italian um, any of the, you know, I'd like, I'd like to, be, I, it goes back to my, you know, fascination I think we've talked to with the, uh, the Nordic countries. Yeah. I think that would be very interesting to, uh, you know, hear some of those, you know, on a regular basis and, and learn some of that yes. Swedish and such.
0: Yes, they, they, are, they are, to my ear, again, incredibly complicated languages. Some languages you can pick a few words up, even if you've, for me, being English, I don't know, or maybe because i spent time in in France. um, I could hear Italian and kind of just get the gist of what's happening for sure. Uh, And the same with Spanish, I'd love to speak Spanish. But let me ask you this then, during your school days, were you required to learn a foreign language? Was there, was there a, was there, were they offered in school? They were, they were
1: offered. You weren't required. A lot of people did. It just kind of pinned on your curriculum that you chose. And here's where you're going to laugh at me. I did take two years of French. Did you? Couldn't speak a word of it right now to save my life. And our, we actually had a, a very excellent teacher because she was from France. Yeah. So she was very, you know, immersed in it her whole entire life but it's just something that didn't, didn't stick or, you know, I wasn't as, as astute <laughs> I think, at paying attention
0: there. I or, think a lot of it is practice oh, I'm and sure. just being immersed in it. That makes such a difference.
1: Well, I think the the best opportunity is if you grow up in a household, you know, where parents can can speak at least, you know, between them two. You know, you really Wonderful. can grow up with it and that's amazing,
0: now, and if you, not more. You know. As you know, I worked in Formula One for, for a number of years, which is a very international, multicultural business. And I was thrilled to be exposed to all of that and I do remember one one day I was walking through the paddock from our motor home to the garage or whichever way it was and I passed a group of media personnel from the different teams There's a young lady from Ferrara there's a young lady from let's say from Benetton there's a young lady from McLaren and these and, and these ladies are all gifted in in language that's what they're doing. They're translating things for different media. So they're all very gifted in different languages. <laughs> and I just started out a quick chat with them uh, you know, on the way back to the garage. And I noticed as they were having a conversation, let's say there was four of them there. They seem to be using four different languages between the four of them and absorbing it all so easily. But not bothering to change from, now we're just gonna speak Spanish, or now we're just gonna speak English, or German, or whatever. They, everyone would speak in their own different languages, but they're all just absorbing it, and I thought, what a wonderful, what a wonderful thing that would be. There's like the universal communication between the world is just yeah. one huge uh, language. Exactly, I, th- I, think, I think when it gets to be
1: so free-flowing, like yeah. that, your your mind just goes to the easiest word and the easiest language and yeah. it just falls into place. It may be much easier <laughs> to say in this language <laughs> yeah, yeah. just you know as a shorter syllable <laughs> or something. Just, that, that, yes. just let it go with the flow. And then if somebody's very versed on the other side, they're going to pick up on all of it and know exactly what you told them.
0: Yes. I think language and travel is a great thing. I, I have heard that there are some languages where there are 20 plus words for snow, for example. Yes. And in English we have snow. Snow. So there would be a great example of, if you could expand that to describe all these different things in one language, I think that'd be a wonderful thing. Well, but
1: as this topic was about language and communication, this, this is a perfect opportunity to bring up that we want to remind our listeners that we, we'd like for you to communicate with us. Oh. You send us your comments. Send How us about your, that segue? Exactly. Yeah. Isn't that perfect? <laughs> Very good. Um, so, yeah, contact us at contact at matchitandtheotherguy.com and just send us your thoughts, ideas, suggestions. Critiques, anything, anything you want to send along, we'll, we'll accept them. That's
0: right. Um, learn the language is going to be one of them, I think. Yeah, I thought
1: I thought I'd actually uh, read read one today, just Dude. just from a, a listener. This is from Christine F, who sent us uh, something earlier uh, a few weeks ago, and uh, said, "Hi, Kevin and Steve. Thank you for sharing your thoughts via your weekly podcast. I am thoroughly enjoying listening while I cook and bake. Ooh. I've learned lots about English customs from." listening plus since i seem to be just slightly older than kevin much of his uh, recollection of school days toys holiday customs etc bring back good memories we're f1 fans too so steve's experiences with that are also of great interest but we like how you mix
0: up the topics well that's good that's well thank you very much for that comment and yes we'd love to love to hear more comments and again for those listeners who are new to us and are probably not listen to all 20 where are we now we say 28 28 on this one yeah um the idea behind this podcast was just very basic very simple during our period of lockdown when it is so difficult just to have a conversation just to sit down and chat about nothing that's what we thought we would do we just sit down and have a conversation about nothing so we deliberately didn't base the podcast Permanently about racing, although we don't mind talking about that, but as you can tell from our conversations (laughs) We don't mind talking about anything and whatever subject we start on we inevitably drift wildly off target and talk about other stuff I hope you're okay with that, gentle listener, because... Hopefully, hopefully it ends up in a better place most times anyway. We, we can't change now. That's become the style of the podcast, and that's what it is, really. Yeah, great. More comments were like that. Well, we better think about signing off, hadn't we? I think so for this time. Yeah, so from me, au revoir. I'm from Kevin. Auf A Auf Zane. Very good. Bye now.